This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Uh, this episode is a little bit of a follow-up to Ode to the Ruin, and I'm going to talk about goat kids and some cool stuff about how goat kids go from being a effectively monogastric, subsisting on milk critter to a uh, full-fledged adult ruminant and how their organs change and develop and some cool tricks they have to do that and um i think uh something else can't remember at the moment but i'm sure it'll come back to me i really appreciate everybody listening to the podcast um there's been some more activity on the podcast lately and it's cool to see the numbers going up i think you guys are probably like sharing with your friends and things like that which is awesome um i really appreciate it i'm going i just ordered yesterday because if you noticed on your podcast player feed you uh may have noticed that I got a new logo made for the podcast, which I kind of like, and uh, I've got some stickers that are getting printed, and those are going to be coming, a couple different ones, and um, we'll do like a giveaway or something like that with that, and um, yeah, so just like promote the goat and help get the word out and all that stuff, plus stickers are fun, so yeah. Uh, as always, you can always uh, get in touch with me on the internet. My email is goatdoccara at gmail.com, which is G-O-A-T-D-O-C-C-A-R-A at gmail.com. The website is goatdoc.com. And you can find me on the Instagram at goat underscore doc. Uh, I started something new this uh, weekend when I had like a couple of minutes, which was out of the ordinary for me, um, which was uh, that I started a Patreon page. Um, I, if you listen to podcasts or other, usually, usually like media stuff, you might be familiar with us. Um, Patreon is like a way for uh, individuals to directly support creators. So uh, Patreon is kind of like, it's like a monthly, usually that's the, like the most common way. And that's the way I have my page set up. It's like a monthly, uh, small donation that you can make to help offset the costs of doing something like a podcast or people who do like whatever videos and music creation and all of these things. So if you would like to support the podcast, that's really cool and you can go to my patreon page which i believe is live and ready to go now which is patreon.com slash goat doc um it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash g-o-a-t-d-o-c uh there's like different uh tiers you can support at and um different like thank you things that i will do to thank my patrons so if you are 
wanting to be a supporter of the podcast that would be super cool and if you if you're not able to do that that's cool too but like share with your friends and if you can take a second and uh, rate and review on apple podcasts that is also super helpful to get the podcast like more uh, visible for everybody else to find it I think that's all the like housekeeping type stuff so I'll get into the talking about the addendum to the rumen um as always, this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your primary vet, and I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinarian-client-patient relationship with your local vet. So, the rumen and goat kids. I've definitely said on previous podcasts how, like, goat kids and other neonatal ruminants so calves uh sheep lambs uh all of these critters that come out they are uh they're basically function as monogastrics when they are born so that a monogastric just means one stomach and if you look at like post-mortem images if you ever have done a, a necropsy on a neonatal goat or lamb or calf, their guts are way different, like, proportion size comparison to each other than an adult animal. So in in the first rumen episode, I talked about how, like, the rumen is huge in, um, in cows, in, in goats, like the comparison of size of all of those stomach compartments is that the rumen is the biggest one. And the rumen is probably like at least, I don't know, six or eight times as big as any of those other compartments, the reticulum, the omasome or the abomasome, uh, just volume size wise. But if you look at a, if you took the the gastrointestinal system out of a neonatal goat kid and laid it on the ground, the abomasum, which is the true glandular stomach, is the largest one. And that's because it is primed to, that critter is primed to get all of its nutritional input from milk. And then that critter has to change from an animal that is getting all of its energy and nutrition and vitamins and all of these things that it uh, needs to grow and thrive and survive from like one of the easiest nutritional sources to something that like no other monogastric animal can function on. So like in that last episode, I talked about like if we tried to start eating hay as monogastric humans, we would do pretty poorly. Um, so goat kids like but like human babies drink just milk and goat babies drink drink just milk and we're all you know we're all mammals and uh they uh milk is essentially like minerals and fat and sugar and it's a really like it's a pretty interesting substance actually because it's like a super easy uh 
energy source, a nutrition source. They don't even have to chew it. Uh, so, so you got these animals that are going from like, I don't have to chew my food ever to all I do is chew my food all day long. And that's like a pretty amazing transformation. The, so the other thing that's important about this and goat kids and why I wanted to talk about this, cause I think it's super cool is that, uh, the rumen and the reticulum and the omasum, they don't want anything to do with milk. Only the abomasum is equipped to handle milk because of that like really significant difference in what kind of food material like roughage and you know hay and browse like that is the polar opposite of milk. So you can't have like an organ that really can handle both so goat kids and lambs and calves have like a really cool thing that helps them not mess up their rumen by getting milk in it and it's uh, called the reticular groove and it's this muscular band at the end of the esophagus and by the end of the esophagus I mean the part that's the closest to um, the the rumen, the reticulum, the abomasum, uh, so like aborad away from the mouth, uh, part of the esophagus. And you can see this on a necropsy. There's just like this little fold in the, in that part of the esophagus. And what it does is when one of those animals suckles, whether it's on a bottle or whether it's on mom, uh, and swallows milk, that fold folds over and effectively closes off the opening to the reticulum, the rumen, and the omasum, and diverts all of the flow of milk directly to the abomasum, where it can be digested because the abomasum is a true glandular stomach, which has the enzymes and the acid production that will allow the digestion of milk. So the mechanism of how that works isn't really like super well understood. At least it wasn't when I went through physiology. And I mean, it is kind of an, a somewhat important thing to, for us to figure out because sometimes it cannot function correctly and that's a problem. But uh, yeah, but mostly like mostly it works just fine. So we're probably not going to devote too much energy to figuring it out. Uh, but I remember my remember my physiology professor talking about um, like the suckle reflex, which is a reflex. If you've ever bottle fed or bottle raised a goat like from birth sometimes it takes them a second to figure out that suckling thing sometimes they come out and in like five seconds they're making we call it the little sucky face and they're going on the air my husband loves it um so they're looking for that it's an instinctual reflex reflexive action for them to try to suckle which is pretty smart because that's how they're going to survive uh, some of them are better at it than others but uh, so that suckle reflex, something about that uh, action physically and physiologically causes the reticular groove to close over and divert the flow of milk to the abomasum. This is also why, like, it's a problem for 
goat kids like you may have heard people say like never give goat kids a bottle of water like bottle fed goat kids people are like oh my it's so hot they're not drinking enough water I better supplement them with water and feed them a bottle of water the body does not know that that suckle reflex is being stimulated by water and the goat kids don't know either because something else about the suckle reflex is like the I think this is I think this is accurate I remember my physiology professor talking about this and this was either his theory or he knew this for sure that that suckling reflex uh, stimulates the release of endorphins so basically it feels good it's like a pleasurable experience for the goat kid or calf or lamb um so they want to do it more which is you know smart because then they live uh so if they're on a bottle and they're here's a bottle with milk great i love it here's a bottle with water great i still love it because that suckling reflex is going to uh equip them you know with the, like what they need but they don't they they don't know that it's going to be just water coming in the reticular groove closes over and that water is introduced directly to the abomasum and large quantities of water directly to the abomasum can cause a problem because of changing the osmotic concentration of of blood basically so too much water suddenly introduced into the system dilutes out the serum, the plasma, changes that. Red blood cells can burst because they're, the body's trying to even out the water balance between cells and, uh, and outside of cells. And that can cause a problem. So... They, that's the and if the water is introduced into the rumen in the absence of a suckle reflex so when goats just normally drink out of a bucket there's not that suckle reflex there should not be the closing of the reticular groove and the liquid would just flow into the GI and in an adult animal is going to kind of dilute out the rumen contents goat kids tend to not drink tons of water until they start to develop their rumen because they're getting most of their water from milk anyway so reticular groove super cool i mentioned briefly that sometimes the reticular groove can malfunction and that's a problem um the this results in what we call ruminal drinking and so if the reticular groove does not close over when the animal is suckling then milk goes down the esophagus and it can just spill into all of those uh gi organs the rumen the reticulum the omasum and the rumen is the reticulum and the omasum are not equipped to digest milk they are um, equipped to start to develop their biome in a goat kid and then eventually equipped to digest forage so the the milk gets into the rumen and nothing is going on in the rumen there's no enzymes there's no acid production and maybe there's bacteria depending on the age of the critter if it's starting to develop its rumen and 
like it's basically just this pouch that is warm and moist and if you think about what happens if you put milk in a closed warm moist environment like if you've ever left a partial like gallon of milk out in the sun by accident you may have noticed that it gets sour and nasty rather quickly so that's basically what would be happening in the rumen. Ruminal drinking is a problem because of that. So those animals can sound sloshy. Um, if you shake them around, there's gas being produced, which can lead to bloat. Um, they're not digesting their milk well, and that leads to just like poor development. So sometimes the reticular groove doesn't work, and that's a problem. The development of the rumen, so as these goat kids are drinking milk, um, they're also like putting stuff in their mouths all the time, and I've talked about this before. But when they're putting stuff in their mouths all the time, like they're not having that suckle reflex, and the stuff is covered with bacteria because everything is covered with bacteria. The, so they're putting the stuff in their mouths. They might be eating a little bit of hay or a little bit of grain, and that's got bacteria on it. And it comes down their esophagus and starts to populate that gastrointestinal system, which is sterile when they come out of mom. Like, the inside of the uterus is sterile, and the inside of the goat kid is sterile until it is introduced to the world. Um... So, bacteria gets in the esophagus, kind of starts to multiply and colonize and populate the surface of the esophagus and travel down into the animal's body. And it's like, oh, this is sweet. It's warm. It's dark. It's damp. Um, it's like prime bacteria growing area. Um, the biome of the rumen is comprised of bacteria and protozoans, uh, and protozoans appear to play a very important role uh, in rumen development and the ability of these animals to grow efficiently. And my like reading about stuff, there was a, a paper about goat kids and I think it was goat kids, it might have been calves, some kind of neonatal ruminant critter that they had a, a control group that was like normal rumen development, no things changed. And then they, the experimental group was fed some kind of anti-protozoal something or other um, or on some kind of medication that killed protozoans. And... So we've got one group of kids that's developing their rumen with just bacteria, and then there's one group that's developing it with bacteria and protozoans. And the protozoan group wins by a landslide. So those kids are growing more quickly, developing more quickly. They're more robust, just bigger, doing better, fewer problems all around. So, like, the, the rumen biome is, like... You know, I, I think I said in the last episode, like it's going to vary a little bit from group to group and individual to individual as far as what the specific population of that gut is. But there, there are animals that do better than others, and some of it can be due to their gut biome. Uh, you can try to change this with transphenating and changing what they eat and things like that, but it's it's a big part of how well these animals do. Uh, 
the the rumen development is stimulated by those bugs and then the the rumen is pretty smooth and small and boring when the baby is born and then they start to eat stuff the bacteria and protozoans start to colonize and the rumen gets larger and that luxurious shag carpet papilla surface of the inside of the rumen starts to develop um the, the bugs stimulate that development. The production of VFAs stimulates that development. And uh, that's what makes a, a ruminant do its job well. Uh, but the it's kind of cool how goat kids, you know, eventually they're weaned and they're not getting milk anymore. And they kind of lose their suckle reflex. Um, but that's why they can have these two almost simultaneous systems going at the same time as that reticular groove that will continue to close off and prevent milk from getting into the parts of the gut that it shouldn't get into. Uh, there's a whole like there's a whole industry. Oh yeah, the other paper I wanted to mention was that uh I found I found another paper in looking at this. I believe it was about goat kids, actually. And the the experiment, or like the the research or whatever, was do which goat kids are going to develop better, larger, faster, more quickly? Goat kids that are raised on just browse, or goat kids that have a supplemental feeding program? And I thought this was an interesting thing because there's a lot of people out there that are like you know nature knows best and the natural way of doing things is the best and uh you that you know we shouldn't be messing with it and then there's also a lot of people like i think i mentioned in the goat kid nutrition episode like i by far and away see more problems with people not feeding their goats basically and those animals are weak and stunted and poor doers and never reach their full potential of what kind of animal they could be Uh, because they don't get adequate nutrition in their formative uh, growing period so the paper was the we've got goat kids and goat kids are going to be raised either on free access to browse and like grazing alone or browse and grazing and a supplemental feeding program so like grain and to me like common sense says that obviously the supplemental feeding group is going to do better and that is the way it goes like by a landslide those animals are big they're robust they do better they have a more active uh rumen system and this paper was pretty cool. It had some, like, really good, uh, like, objective, quantifiable uh, measurements, uh, metrics in the, in the research. Like, how long were the rumen papilla in the critters that were grazing versus the critters that were grazing and had a supplemental feeding program? And the supplemental feeding program, like, in science, in medicine and evidence-based medicine like we like these things that we can say oh look these rumen papilla were three millimeters long in the grazing group and these rumen papilla in the supplemental feeding group were eight millimeters long like that's a significant difference and when we can look at statistics and measurements and things that are quantifiable and say oh look this is better not just subjectively 
Like, that's some pretty compelling evidence. So I think, like, you know, it's like, well, nature, nature knows best or whatever. I mean, maybe, but maybe nature just has, like, a different goal for for these animals than I do and uh, my goal is for them to be big and healthy and robust and shiny and look good and nature's goal is probably just for them to like survive and reproduce and also like humans have been messing around with animal agriculture for so long like there's wild goats out there sure and then like wild goats are almost a different you know they're just they're developed differently than than our domestic goats I mean if I put one of my goats out in the woods she's gonna not make it too far there's a bunch of princesses in my barn that are not uh, gonna know what to do with themselves if they don't have someone to take care of them multiple times a day so yeah Uh, There's a lot of, uh, probably more on the cow-calf side of dairy production, like, you know, dairy-calf development is definitely, in the United States at least, where more money and effort is spent because that is the bulk of our dairy industry in the States, but there's a lot of... uh, you know, like, energy spent in figuring out, it does, like, that's why we do these studies of, like, supplemental feeding programs and things like that, because if we can get a calf from birth to able to be bred and big and robust bigger, and she does better, and she's getting in the milking string faster, then we want to do that. So there's some interesting stuff out there, um, as far as like products and feeding systems and uh, yeah so you know um i think that's all i wanted to add to the rumen episode it's got kind of long too i guess i've got a lot to say about the rumen sorry but it's pretty cool uh if you guys have questions get in touch with me goat.cara at gmail.com the website has a contact tab at goatdoc.com if you would like to support the podcast uh check out my patreon page patreon.com slash goatdoc and um yeah there's gonna be like some stickers coming soon i'm excited for that i like stickers and i'll make those available and uh do a giveaway there will be like i'll tell you about it on the podcast and stuff like that i was just like remembering one other thing i wanted to say about this podcast and this is like this is a little bit of a tangent sorry but um i think you guys are kind of awesome for listening to this podcast and listening to me talk on like with like background noise and vehicle noise and every once in a while i stop because someone's driving and does something stupid like try to back into me or like whatever um and i i'm in like a couple of like podcasting groups online because when you start doing when I start doing something I'm always like how do I do this thing I'm gonna ask the internet and I get in groups and things like that and I'm like look at like the podcasting subreddit and uh like podcasting Facebook group and everybody like wants to make this fancy like 
like get all the toys and the expensive microphones and they set up their desk and their little soundproof booth and everybody buys like the egg crate foam stuff and puts it on their wall and everybody's always talking about sound quality and um, like recording quality and echoes and ambient noise and I listen to my podcast and I'm like oh man I've got like my cell phone making that funny beep noise like that static beep noise in the background and my loud car noise and blinkers and whatever and you guys still listen to me ramble about goats in my truck so you guys like goats as much as me which is awesome and uh, I appreciate that so yeah that's that's it thanks for listening if you keep listening i'll keep doing it uh that's gonna do it for the moment and i'll talk to you guys next time